Good morning to you all, dear friends, and welcome to another episode in our ongoing prophecy series. Today's upload is the sixth installment in the series, and after a quick recap of some of the main points from the previous study, we will be focusing primarily on the fifth section of the image shown in a dream, which is the section of iron mixed with clay, and its meaning and application to us today. In other words, what was it that God was showing us that would happen in history and in our day? What does this mixture of two substances which ordinarily cannot and should not be mixed together, iron and clay, what does it mean? And has this part of the prophecy also been fulfilled? We will see this as we continue. Now, we saw that the head of gold on the image represented the empire of ancient Babylon, which ruled over the nations from 606 BC to 538 BC. We also saw that Babylon was later conquered by the Medes and Persians when they combined forces to defeat Babylon, thus becoming the next empire ruling over the nations from 538 BC until 331 BC. The Bible elsewhere confirms that this is so. One place is in Daniel chapter 5, which is the chapter which tells us about the overthrow of Babylon. Now by then, King Nebuchadnezzar himself had died, and Babylon was now being ruled by a king named Belshazzar. During one of his lavish feasts, a mysterious hand started to write on the wall of his palace, creating much fear and consternation for himself and among his royal guests. In fact, so frightened he was to see a strange hand which was not attached to anything, just writing strange words on the walls of his banquet hall, that the king lost control of his bowels and messed himself in the presence of his guests. But from over 170 years before that, which was even before Babylon had existed as an empire, God had prophesied through the prophet Isaiah that Babylon would come into power and that when the time came for it to be finally overthrown, the king's loins would be loosed. In other words, he would be so frightened that he would mess himself. Isaiah 45 and verse 1. Now, the prophet Daniel, who had years before interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream of this great image that we've been looking at over the last few weeks, Daniel was by then still alive and well up in age, even though Nebuchadnezzar by then had died. And being told that he was the one who had years earlier interpreted his grandfather's dream, Daniel was sent for and summoned in to interpret the strange writings on the wall to the frightened king. We read of this interpretation in the following verses. Daniel 5 verses 26 to 28. This is the interpretation of the thing. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. You are weighed in the balances and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And that very night, Babylon was conquered. When the time had come, the prophecy was fulfilled exactly, showing that the word of God cannot fail. Babylon, the head of gold on the image, was overthrown by an enemy invasion, symbolized by the chest and arms of silver on the image. The kingdom had been given to the Medes and Persians, as the Bible says. 
That very night, the whole royal family of Babylon and thousands of others were slaughtered. Now, we also saw in our previous study that after ruling for 207 years, they themselves, the Persian Empire, lost their dominion as they too were finally defeated and conquered by the Greeks, symbolized by the belly and thighs of brass or bronze. Nowadays, historians refer to Greece as the Bronze Kingdom. It had come to the stage of history, becoming the third world ruling empire, as was prophesied hundreds of years earlier, that it would. Now, when this dream of the image and its interpretation was given, Rome did not even exist as a nation then. But as the years moved along, a little tribal people grew and multiplied conquering their neighbors in small battles and expanding their territory and becoming stronger and more powerful. Eventually, they became so powerful that after the Greek Empire ruled for about 163 years, they too were in turn conquered by Rome, which became the fourth world empire, as symbolized by the legs of iron. This happened in 168 BC. Historians often refer to the ancient Roman Empire as ruled by the ancient Caesars as the Iron Kingdom. It was a civil political kingdom of might and power, of terrible cruelty, and feared as any that ruled before it. But the prophecy also showed that the Iron Kingdom of ancient Rome, the legs of iron, would be followed by another phase of iron mixed with clay in the feet and toes. This was the final section of that great image which God used to show world history from the first ruling empire down to the end of time when Christ shall return for his faithful people and end all world dominions. So, if the fourth kingdom to arise would be Rome and is symbolized by iron, what do you think it means that the next kingdom, the next phase, will be of iron and clay? First of all, the fact that the iron continues into the feet and toes tells us that after the fall of the Roman Empire, the influence of Rome will continue on until the end. So the prophecy clearly reveals that Rome, as ruled in ancient times under the Caesars, will come to an end. But Rome in a different form will continue on to the end. And that is why the iron is still involved in the feet and toes. The iron cannot mean one thing earlier in the prophecy and something else later on in the same prophecy. That would bring confusion. And the scriptures say that God is not the author of confusion. So the influence of Rome, the legs of iron, will continue into the feet and toes. The question, though, is, in what form? What does the clay mean? Well, why not let the Bible itself tell us? We turn to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 18, and verse 1, on to verse 6. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred. It was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. 
Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in mine hand, O house of Israel. Notice that Israel anciently was likened to as clay in God's hands. Israel was then the people of God. To put it simply, Israel was at that time the church. The church of God are represented as clay in his hands that he molds according to his purposes. There is a common hymn which says, Have thine own way, Lord, thou art the potter, I am the clay. Clay represents those who are surrendered to God, God's people being molded according to his will. But here is an important observation that we should not miss. Notice these two verses, Daniel 2, 41-43. And whereas you saw the feet of toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as you saw the iron mixed with miry clay. And whereas you saw iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Did you get it? Twice the clay is described as miry clay. What is mire? Mire means mud. Any person who does pottery and gets clay mixed with mud knows that they cannot use it because it is corrupted. Corrupted clay is useless. It is only good to be thrown away. So then, since clay represents the church, what do you think miry clay means? It means a corrupted church, a false church, iron and clay, a union of civil power and religion, a coming together of church and state. The Bible shows that, coming out of the ancient Roman Empire, the Iron Kingdom, having sun worship as its official state religion, the final phase of Earth's history, leading down to the end, will also be dominated by a corrupted religious system presenting itself as God's church and which has the influence of Rome in it. And this also having as the sign of its authority Son worship, yet in a different form. And the Bible also shows that this will be enforced upon the whole world. And yes, dear friends, because it does have power over the politics of the nations, and both past history and current events confirms this to the very letter. So yes, friends, there is a new Caesar in town, but this time one wearing a religious robe. Anyone who studies history will be able to confirm that since the ancient Roman Empire ended in 476 AD and the religious version of Rome came into power to replace the Caesars, it is over and over again referred to in history as the Holy Roman Empire. Roman Catholicism is the successor to the Roman Empire, and the Bible makes clear also that many will not realize this because it will operate in one sense openly as a system of religion while it will be operating also behind the scenes, behind the governments of the nations, controlling the rulers and influencing public policy. And that, by the way, is why, as far back as you can remember, every new U.S. president 
who is elected, whether Republican or Democrat, has had to take a trip to Rome to kiss the ring of a certain potentate, showing their submission to that authority. Now, when he was asked whether or not one should pay taxes to the government, Jesus said, Give unto Caesar the things which belong to Caesar, but unto God the things that belong to God. Matthew 22 and verse 17. There are things that the civil authority of government will require of us that we should obey. We should pay our taxes and abide by the laws of the land, respect other people's life and property, etc. And as good citizens, we will abide by these and other civil laws. This is giving unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar. But there are also things which belong to God. And this includes our obedience to God in matters of conscience, our true worship, our loyalty to God. Jesus did not say, give unto God by way of Caesar or through Caesar the things that belong to God. No, he didn't. This is between a person's conscience and their God. And so the civil authority of government has no place in enforcing any religious duty. When the king of Babylon, the most powerful civil authority on the earth at that time, made a law that all persons should bow down and worship a golden image, Daniel's three friends drew the line at that point. They said, no, we will not bow down and worship. And so they were persecuted, thrown into a furnace of fire. But God stepped in and protected them so that not even a hair on them was burned. They knew that the state had no business in matters of conscience and worship. When another king later made a law that no one should pray to their God, Daniel himself said, no way. He defied that law and as a result was thrown into a den of hungry lions. But God again intervened and protected him so that he was unharmed. There is a point at which we must draw the line, dear friends, and say no, when under a union of church and state, iron and clay, duties of religion are enforced by civil government. The conscience must be free to worship God in spirit and in truth. Not by coercion, force, by legal enactments or legislation of governments. No, because worship can only be genuine. It can only be accepted by God when it comes from a heart of thankfulness, of gratitude, and obedience flows out of that towards God. That is true worship. So if the government gets involved in religion and legislating or decreeing any form of religious duty, you can be sure that it has nothing to do with God, it is of the beast. Jesus himself was crucified under a uniting of church and state. A joining together of the civil power of Rome, symbolized by Pilate, the Roman governor, and the corrupt Jewish religion of the Pharisees. And the book of Revelation shows that there will be in the end times a final coming together of religion and politics. A union of civil and religious authorities iron and clay which will end up persecuting the true people of God just before the Lord returns to deliver them. Jesus did say at one point, as they persecuted me, so will they persecute you, speaking to his followers. And the book of Revelation also shows us 
that whenever these two entities, religion and politics, join together, they form what the Bible refers to as a beast, which comes against the faithful people of God. History has shown that over and over again this is what happens. But just as ancient Babylon in all its glory collapsed and came to its sudden end, we are also shown in Scripture that this modern beast system of Babylon, which is being formed and is coming together rapidly even now under the noses of most people who don't discern it, it too will ultimately and suddenly come to its final end also. But we will take it step by step, dear friends, and bring these things out from the scriptures very clearly in future studies. For now, let's wrap up this session by seeking to make it clear where we are now in relation to the end of time. The question to us all now is, in this timeline of history symbolized by this image of different metals, where are we today? Has the ancient kingdom of Babylon passed? Yes, it has. So we are not living in the time symbolized by the head of gold. Has the Persian period of world dominance represented by the chest and arms of silver passed? Yes, dear friends, that too is long gone. So we know we are not living in that period. Has the period of Greek dominance over the world passed? Certainly it has. So we are not living in that period either. Has the Roman period of civil government under the Caesars and emperors passed? Yes, that too has come in its time and passed on. The historical record shows that this period officially came to an end in 476 AD. The transition from legs of iron to feet and toes of iron and clay has taken place. As the book of Revelation informs us, the previous phase of Rome would pass on its seat and its authority and great power to the succeeding or the religious phase of Rome. Revelation 13 and verse 2. In summary, clay that is miry clay is considered as corrupted and impure, and thus unusable. The potter has no use for it. This means that by the mixture of iron and clay, which comprised the feet and toes of this monolithic image, which was shown in a dream, God is letting us know, dear friends, that the Roman Empire will at some point in history transition to a religious form. It will assume the ornaments of Christianity, yet still carrying forward the influence of the ancient pagan Roman Empire, having a secular and political agenda yet operating under a religious pretense, iron mixed with clay. So this is where we are, dear friends. We are living in the time of the feet of iron and clay, the final phase of Earth's history. The next great event is the coming of Jesus Christ. But between now and then, there are many very significant things that will be happening in the world in rapid succession leading up to that time. And the Bible has given us much information concerning important developments which will be taking place during this time as we approach nearer to the end. And yes, dear friends, the end cannot be ignored because of what the very next portion of the prophecy reveals, as we will see when we pick up in the next episode. But until then, stay safe, dear friends. Keep trusting. And keep praying 
and asking God to give you understanding to confirm in your soul the truth of these matters. Every detail of his word must come to pass. This is Pastor Ken Richards signing off for today, but just reminding you all to keep safe and may God bless you all. Thank you.